And we'll now turn our attention to the reading and the preaching of God's Word. We're continuing a sermon series looking at the church, and I'd like to invite Pamela to read our scripture passage for today. Our reading today is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9-17. to 17. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Grace West. I hope that you're doing well. Uh, We are in the middle of a vision series right now. We have been asking one question, which is, what does it mean to be the church in our day? And we've been looking at the New Testament and different ways, different metaphors that we find to describe the church. And if you recall, we saw the church being described as a body and as a temple, as a bride. Next week, we're going to look at the church as a city. But this morning, we're thinking about the church as a community of exiles and sojourners. That's how Peter describes us here. He says, beloved, as sojourners and exiles. This is a theme that he keeps on repeating all the way throughout his letter. He uh, was writing to a community of believers in his day. They were scattered all over the world. And he refers to them as sojourners and exiles. I did a little bit of research, excuse me, on those two words. Um, The word sojourner, it it, it literally means to live beside somebody, to live next door to somebody. This is a person who's come from a different country um, and they are living where they are. They're not the citizens of that country. Their citizenship belongs somebody else, but they have come and they have lived and they have settled down next door. The, the exile, very similar, but a slightly different nuance. This is a person who comes to a new place, who settles down, and, and while they stay for a while, they know that their home is somewhere else, and they're going to be moving in that direction at some point. When you put it all together, it's just this picture of being in a place and yet not fully belonging to it. It's belonging, but still being somewhat out of place. And I I don't think that's hard to get our minds around. I mean, think of a time when you have gone to a different country, and what what was your experience like? Everything was different, wasn't it? I know when we were in our 20s, when I went to Ireland for the summer with our kids, our two kids at the time, 
And uh, it, a very different country than Canada. Every time we opened our mouths, it was pretty clear that we weren't from Ireland. And people would ask us, where are you from? Are you from America? No, from Canada. <clears throat> or they had strange expressions. Uh, the, the, the wife of the pastor, where we were going to church at the time, she just she kept on saying to us that she loved some good crack. And we had to navigate that expression. I kept on trying to get into the wrong side of the car. Uh, it was just this constant reminder that even though we were there, we, we weren't home. And when we think about exiles, when we think about sojourners in the New Testament and, and, and what it means to be that as the church, the New Testament tells us that we live in this world. And yet, as we live in this world, we're not home. Our citizenship is in Christ in heaven. And we are moving in this world in the direction of home. But I guess the, the natural question or questions are, how do we live as exiles in this world? And why should we live as exiles in this world? And we're going to look at those two questions this morning. We'll explore them together. First, let's ask this question. How should we live as exiles in this world? And Peter answers that question in two ways, two perspectives. Uh, he tells us to abstain from something, and then he tells us to indulge in something. In verse 11, he tells us to abstain from something. In verse 12, he tells us to indulge in something. We're told to abstain from something. What is it that we as exiles, the exilic church, are called to avoid, uh, abstain from? He tells us, as sojourners and exiles. Abstain from the desires of the flesh, from the desires of the flesh. Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself, I, that's a strange expression. What does he mean, the desires of the flesh? Well, when the Bible talks about flesh, it talks about it in two ways. One of them is this. It's the skin on your body. It's the tissue. It's the organ that covers your entire body. That's a very common way that flesh is used in the New Testament. But then there's another sense, another sense where it refers to the life of humanity, the, the, the instinct within all of us, where we are seeking to live independently from God. It's the life that says, I don't need God. I don't want God. I'm going to do whatever I want, however I want, with whomever I want. And I don't want God intruding or meddling in my life. It is, at essence, the utterly self-focused life. The selfish life, really. Or maybe I could put it a different way. It is a life that says, I don't need God to save me. I will save myself. And I will save myself by, mm, by being successful or by architecting my world in a way that is just so and where I insulate myself against all evil or harm or pain. Or a life of ease and, pl ease and pleasure or a life that I create where everyone dotes on me, loves me, accepts me. And, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of some of these things. I really am. I think they're good things in themselves. However, there is a crossing the line, and that's really what the word desire means here. It literally means to over-desire, to hyper-desire. These are desires that um, seek to replace God with other things. And if, 
this, these desires, they promise to save us, but they don't. They enslave us and they hurt us and they hurt others. Let me give you an example. I, uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm just getting older, but I find myself increasingly needing my world to be just so. Things need to be in place. I don't like it when things are not in their place. Uh, I, it feels chaotic to me. Every morning I wake up and I, uh, I don't start my day till I finish it. I map out my entire day, assign time to those things, and I just go at it. But then sometimes Wendy will say to me, hey, Kiernan, we need to do this or that. And I feel this turmoil in me because that's not on my list. And if we do that, then something here has got to go. But that can't go, you see, because that can't go because then my life is out of control. And I have to get things done. And so we have conflict at times. And, you know, that life that I have promised myself will save me doesn't. It, it brings about the very thing I don't want, which is confusion and chaos and pain. And... I realize, and don't you, that we are at war with this thing called the flesh. I mean, he says that, doesn't he? He says that this very thing is waging war against you. That's very strong language. Because as far as I understand, the, the point of a war is to kill somebody. It's to win. It's to kill somebody. It's to win by killing somebody. And, and these desires within us, and we all have them, are, are seeking to hurt us and kill our soul. And Peter says, abstain. Abstain from these things. Now how? How do we do that? You know, I was thinking this week about that, and I was thinking about that story in the, in the Odyssey. Homer is coming back, Homer, the author of the Odyssey, um, Odysseus, is coming home from the Trojan Wars, and they arrive at that place where the sirens are. Now, the sirens are, are, they're just horrific creatures, but they sing beautifully. And, and as they sing, uh, they have an entrancing, magnetic, luring quality to them. And what people would do is they would jump overboard and try to get to them, and then in the process, drown. And Odysseus knows the power of the sirens. And so as they're sailing by, he tells his men to lash him with a rope, with a cord to the mast until they pass by. And I was thinking this week, what a great image for how to abstain. That there are times when we just, we've got to lash ourselves to the mast until we get to safety. There are things in this world, sometimes they're good, Sometimes they're not, and they call out to us. A way of thinking, a philosophy, a worldview, or, or what have you. And they're like siren voices. And I suppose the question I'm wondering this morning is, what is that siren voice that is calling you this morning? That's promising you one thing, but gives you the opposite. That's not really leading to freedom, but is actually leading to enslavement. 
eat more, drink more, sleep more. What are the things that are calling out to you today? Sophistication. I need to be culturally sophisticated. And I need to be as aggressive with somebody as I possibly can who doesn't agree with me. I see that I see that motif in the world, and I don't know where in the Bible that comes from. It's, it's as though we've imbibed it from the world, and these things are not good. They are not helpful. These are things that we need to learn to abstain from as we live as exiles in this world. What is that siren voice singing to you this morning? Abstain from what he says. Abstain. But we have to do more than abstain. I mean, that's good, but it's only half the picture. There's, 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 there's this other thing that we have to do. We have to do something positive, you see. I mean, it's not enough just to abstain from something. It's like, have you ever asked somebody this question? What's your favorite food to eat? What do you like to eat? And what if they were to say to you, well, you know, I don't like meat. And you're like, okay, but what do you like to eat? Well, I don't like legumes. Okay, but what do you like to eat? You've told me nothing. You see, there's, there's, there's this other side to how we live as exiles in this world. And it's part of it's abstaining, sure. But then there's this thing that we have to do. And what is that? We have to indulge. And what does it mean to indulge as an exile in this world? What does that mean? Well, he tells us. He tells us in verse 12, he says this. He says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles. Now, that would have been a, a technical term for unbelievers. Honorable. And that's a very interesting word, honorable. I did some research on that one, too. And the word could just as easily be translated good or noble or beautiful. He's calling us to indulge in a beautiful life. Now, what does that beautiful, exilic life look like? That's the question. And the life that we're being called to live here, for one thing, is a very visible life. The life that we're being called to live in the world is a visible life. I mean, he says, let your conduct among the Gentiles. Uh, you know, that word among means close enough to be seen. So whatever this beautiful, exilic life is, it's a life that people can see. They can look at it and say, that's beautiful. It's a life where people, they do a double take. Ever done that? You're, you're walking by someone or something and it's like, zip, zip. You, you take a double take. Why? Because that's what beauty does. And you see that the church, especially the church, let's say in the first century, they had a beauty to them that people um, took a double take with. Look, this is uh, something I learned this week. Uh, apparently in the first century and beyond, there were numerous uh, plagues that devastated these countries. Just thousands of people died. And, and people would often leave cities or they would... 
Um, they would throw their family onto the streets for fear of contracting the disease, but the Christian church didn't. They found these people, they ministered to these people, and they walked with them through the valley of the shadow of death. And in many cases, they died themselves. And that kind of radical, sacrificial, exilic, loving life caused people to stop and wonder. It, it, it got them thinking, why are you so different? Why are you so different? What does it mean for us in our day to live like that? To live so sacrificially, so beautifully, so, so other-orientedly, <laughs> and that people take a double look. What, what, what could that look like for us? Because you see, this exilic life that we're looking at this morning, and, and we are the church in exile, is a church where we're called to abstain from certain things and where we're called to indulge in certain things. And when we indulge in things that are beautiful and right and good, the world sees that. And when we abstain from things, they also ask the question, what is it in your life that means so much to you? That these things that mean so much to us don't mean that much to you. We want to know about this. And I want to I take us now to the second question, which is why. why. Why are we being called here as the church to live in exile? Why? Why? This is a vitally important question, and the answer is, well, surprising. It's probably not what you think, but here it is. Here's the answer. Why have we been called to live as exiles in this world? And the answer is this. So that, that here's the reason, so that even though they speak evil of you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There it is. Here is the reason why the church is called to live as exiles and sojourners in this world. It is so that the world around us will see, will see the beauty of Jesus Christ in us and be drawn to Jesus Christ for salvation. That's why we're living as exiles and sojourners in this world. That's why. Here's what we're called to do. We are called to dramatize the, the life of Christ to a watching world. The life where he came from a different country, if you will, and he came to this world. He didn't come to stay. He came to die. He came to die for the sins of the world so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He did not come to judge the world. He came to save the world. And hear this, that as we live our lives in exile, people will see that exilic life of Christ through us and they will be drawn to the Christ that is and who saves. And they need to be saved. Because this passage tells us 
that a day is coming when God will visit this world and it will be the day of judgment. And for those who have rejected the beauty of Christ, for those who have rejected God and his love and the saving provision that he has provided for this world through Christ Jesus, it will be a horrible day. It'll be a horrible day that spins into never-ending loss and judgment. But that is not the end of the story as far as Peter's talking about this morning because he's telling us that many people, many people on that last day will glorify God. And they will glorify God because they have seen in the exilic church the beauty of Jesus Christ and have been drawn to him for everlasting salvation. And they will never cease to praise God. Friends, we are called to live as exiles. We're called to abstain, abstain from things that are off limits for us. And we are called to indulge in in beautiful, sacrificial lives. And we are to do this so that, that Christ in us, the hope of glory, might be seen. And so that people will be drawn irresistibly to the beauty of Jesus Christ. How? How do we do this? How do we as a church do this? I could answer that question many ways. I'm going to answer it just one way. And that one way is this. The past few weeks, we have been encouraging and and just challenging you to get embedded in a small group. And we have been overwhelmed by your response the number of people who have plugged into a small group comprised of just a few men or a few women has been been such a blessing. And the question we've got to ask ourselves, church, Grace West, is this. What is the purpose? Why are we doing this? And here it is. The hope and design is this, that, that we will walk together as communities towards Christ, and also our neighbor. And we have very carefully and thoughtfully located you in neighborhoods together to make it easy for you to connect to your neighbor. And the hope and the design this year is that you as groups will feel the freedom to figure out how you're going to connect to the people around you how you can live exilically uh, before the people in your neighborhood. And we're giving you all the freedom to figure that out. But my hope and my prayer is that as a community, as we live outwardly exilically, that people are going to say down the road that I came to faith. I came to faith in Jesus Christ because I saw something different in that community. And I saw Christ, the risen Christ, living through the exilic church. 
I don't believe, I said this last time, I don't believe that COVID can cancel this out. I've heard stories already of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ in COVID. And COVID could be, in God's economy and in his wisdom, one of the greatest times in history where we saw people coming to Christ. We as a world have reached the wall. We've been humbled. And people are turning to their God. We have an opportunity, Grace West, to participate in the ministry and the mission of the Church of Jesus Christ in our day and in our world. And our hope and prayer is that as we live as exiles, the people will see Christ and glorify him. Why would we not want to live this way? Let's live this way, church. Let's be this kind of community. Let's be the church in exile. Amen.